Welcome to the Grow People Podcast, everyone. Welcome. Pastor Jason, uh, lead pastor of Revolution, uh, TikTok influencer. I, no, he's, he's not. Why did you bring that? Up? I don't know. Yeah. We were just talking about I'm TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. No. I don't want TikTok. No. Uh, my name is David Stein. I'm the campus pastor of our Canton location. Purpose of the Grow People podcast is everybody knows by now how to do this. Purpose of the Grow People podcast is to grow people. Grow people. We have to stand back and yeah. say that. And you're supposed to yell that wherever you are. I feel like you just gave them like a false. I think they were. That was like a, a false start. It was. You you were like leading yeah. them to it, yeah. and then they were about... So mm-hmm. I'm afraid that there's a lot of people that just said that. Yeah. There. And now they feel like odd. No, no. You never feel odd when you're listening to the Grow People podcast because you are growing. That's what the purpose of the podcast <laughs> is. All right. So there and was... We're growing in our ability to do one. After, <laughs> after, after three and a half decades of being in radio... Um, I learned that the best shows are the ones that aren't recorded. Mm. Um, you walked in on a conversation uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, we were in the studio. It was me. It was Chandler, Mason, uh, one of our team members, Billy. And the conversation was on on fast food French fries, mm. fast food fries. Mm. And I, I don't even know what to say uh, about some of the comments and some of the ratings of fries. Hmm. What were the ratings? Ch- I, I, Chandler, do you mind? Do you, you mind if I share it? Uh, yeah, I no problem with you hanging me out to dry, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no. He you, said, yeah. You, you, can, you can say it. What are your least favorite fries? Uh, hands down, Chick-fil-A fries. I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> They're the, I don't gotta either. be the worst. I don't. I feel How, sacrilegious. That, what, what don't you like about them? Well, I, I feel like I had a good argument here because, again, I think that they cut off the end of the potato, they throw out the middle of it, and then they just give me the end with the skin still on. I don't... They saw you coming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even my parents who boycotted Chick-fil-A for, <laughs> for like several years, my dad was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with this boycott. Those yeah. fries are great. <laughs> well, I will say... It, when they first came out, they were a novelty, the fact that they were waffle fries. Yeah. So that's definitely part of what made them intriguing. Sure. But to and you used to could get them well done, but you can't anymore. But you get a hack. Yeah, I do have a hack. And I was explaining this to Chandler earlier. If you get your fries and you're going home and you have an air fryer at home, you can put the fries in the air fryer and crisp them up a little bit. Mm. And then they do it, they become even better. And I do actually the same thing with the chicken sandwich. You put the chicken in for two minutes, huh. and then the last minute, throw the buns in, and it crisps up the bun a little bit. Okay. And then it makes the chicken sandwich even better. So. Cooking with Pastor Jason. Didn't, yeah. know, didn't know the podcast was a cooking show. <laughs> um, well, I am intrigued. Chandler, what's your favorite fry then? I mean, tr- truthfully, not a big fry person, but if okay. I was going to pick one, and, and I'm talking like regular fries. Like, I don't think Arby's fries... Should count in the curly no, fries. No, you they're know, terrible. They're very different. They're, yeah. they're not terrible. Um, they're good. No, what the curly fries? Yeah, no, they're all. Chandler wasn't saying they're in the category as in they're bad, right? Chandler, you like them, right? Yeah, no, yeah, I do. See? No, no. Yeah, yeah. No, they're no. they're good. They're just in their own uh, in their own category. But I would yeah. say, I mean, I think I think McDonald's has, has proven to be good at doing fries. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, McDonald's fries are good. You know, I just agree to disagree on the Chick Fil A ones. But yeah. yeah, but McDonald's fries are good. Yeah, I don't like seasoned fries. Chandler, have you ever had uh, Wingstop fries? 
I cannot say that I have. You need to try those. Now, they are not waffle fries, but they are like the, what do they call it? The hand cut fries where they're mm-hmm. not, like they do have some of the skin on sure. them. Um, but it's still like a normal fry. Like mm-hmm. it's not like Chick-fil-A. Like sometimes you'll get a waffle fry and sometimes you get the end of the potato <laughs> as you <laughs> described it. Um, but you might try the, because uh, honestly, I would say my most favorite fries are Wingstop fries. Huh? Okay. Yeah, All right. They're really good. We we now have determined uh, your favorite fry. Uh, Chandler does not like the exoskeleton of the potato. <laughs> um, and, and going back to your hack, I don't know if I've ever made it home without eating the fries. I don't well, know if I can make it home fast enough. To, yeah, and that's part of the problem. I yeah. live really close to Chick-fil-A. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, it is. But even if you live further away, you know, and you can. Well, and, and see, and here's part of the reason. I think the reason why... We don't make it home is because you're so afraid of them becoming cold. Oh, oh, there, there's. I don't know what the science is involved, yeah. um, and I'm not following the science here. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> but there's nothing that gets colder than a Chick Fil A. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yes. yeah. From the time it is, it is so hot it burns the roof of your mouth. Yeah. To it's cold and inedible. Yes. It's it's about a nanosecond. Yeah, exactly. It is not. It has no uh, Yeti properties. No, you know, like no <laughs> insulation. <laughs> there's no R factor. There's no R factor. How there about, you go. How about that? My yeah. Old physics professor that <laughs> made me go to summer school back in 1982. Wow, uh, you just went real repressive there. <laughs> like you went way back, <laughs> but I'm not bitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's the Grow People Podcast, so let's yeah. get to some stuff here. Talking about um, fry insulation. Yeah. <laughs> you know how newspapers. This is a nice segue. It's not a segue at all. You know how newspapers used to print a retraction if they made a mistake. Yeah, they would print. Yeah. They would print that and like. The, the third to last page underneath some type of ad for, you know, windows or something. Yeah, now we just edit the same article <clears throat> yeah. online. Yeah. yeah. But not the Grow People podcast. Right at the top, we will make a correction. We need um, to issue a uh, retraction. Yes. A on the correction. La- on the last, yeah, correct. Yeah, because it wasn't like a something that needed to be retracted. On the last podcast, Pastor Jason was talking about our missions. Minister Zip Kane texting him. Yes. And the text said... The, oh, sorry. I had it pulled up, and then we started yes. talking about fries. And, and I, the text said... The text said from from Zip, it said, this was a couple weeks ago when I was talking about meta. Great message today. Love the meta reference. Or as you were teaching the word meta, I couldn't help but think of the definition of metamorphosis, how it applies to new believers, the change between someone new in their faith developing into someone who is growing into their faith. Uh, growing people should always be a metamorphosis. So when we were talking about that last week, I actually made, or two weeks ago, I made, uh, I said the wrong word. Uh, the correct word is metamorphosis. I said metanoia, um, which I don't know if that's a Freudian slip or a biblical one. Um, because when we were talking about the whole meta, like, you know, the Holy spirit, um, being, you know, with that, that reference, uh, we were Zip was talking, had texted me, and I was referencing Zip had texted me that, and I didn't even think about that word. And I said the word metanoia, which is actually the Greek word for repent, mm-hmm. which has its own, you know, connotation as well. But Zip was referring to the word metanoia and metamorphosis. So I just did it again. Yeah. Yeah. I just did it again. Metamorphosis. Sorry. See, you're here to correct me. So when I, we were talking about it on the podcast, uh, I said it, didn't think about it. But then when I was listening it back, listening to myself talk, and that was the funny part. I'm like, 
Jason, you dummy, you just said the wrong word. <laughs> you said metanoia. Metanoia is, is the different word. Um, so yes, what I was referring to last. So if you listen to that podcast and you're like, oh, I didn't think that what's well, funny, we talked to Zip, I talked to Zip about it on Sunday. <clears throat> and he was like, Yeah, man, I was listening to the podcast, and he was like, I just thought like you you just knew something I didn't know because that was you used a different word than I did. I was like, No, you used the right one, I used the wrong one. So the the reference was metamorphosis, and the the word morpho means to form or to shape. And then meta, um, so you put those together, and and it's obviously we use metamorphosis talking about like a caterpillar going into a butterfly, this change of shape that happens, <coughs> change of form. But the principle still the point mm-hmm. is that there is no morphosis without the meta. Right. There's no transformation, and and that was the word that Paul used in Romans, um, although he used metanoia too. But the way we were talking about it, so yeah. We're issuing a correction. It wasn't the word metanoia for repentance. It was metamorphosis. But I can connect those two. You can't get, right, metamorphosis. You can't get transformation without metanoia, repentance. But repentance and transformation are both a product of meta, of the Holy Spirit. Okay. You know, the Holy Spirit leading you to repent and then the Holy Spirit transforming you. So... Again, principle of meta was the same. We just said the wrong word. Right. So forgive me. And if anybody is thinking right now, you guys were so metanoying talking about French fries for the first 10 minutes. We do apologize for you that also. You can blame the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, That's funny. Uh, Cheesy, but funny. If cheese on fries, anyone? Chandler, cheese on fries? Love it. Love Jason? it. I'm not a big cheese on fries. No, guy. no. Uh, I, I like them natural or with um, ketchup. Of course. Well, I can't eat them without ketchup. Really? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, a fry without ketchup, that just is, it's like a burger without a bun. Mm. It just can't, can't be. Anything fried, I'm just a ketchup guy. So anything fried has to have ketchup. Got it. Just something is wrong without it, in my opinion. No, I think that's the opinion of many. Okay. I think yeah. Yeah, it's part of your worship. <laughs> it's is, is ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of worship. I thought you were gonna say the opinion of mankind. Like I think that Well, I, I don't know. I haven't I haven't studied ketchup much. I mean even even though I am from Pennsylvania, you know, home of Heinz. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with that? Um now will you eat any ketchup or does it have to be Heinz? Well, that that's a whole nother podcast. I do It's ha- really not, David. It's I, really simple. I I do have a problem with restaurants that will serve hunts. A hundred percent, I have a problem. Okay, good. All right. Yes, All right. we, are yes. On, we are on the same. No, page. it has to be Heinz. It's yeah. either Heinz or Whataburger. That's it. Okay. Yeah, and Heinz basically uh, Whataburger ketchup, fancy ketchup. I don't know if we've addressed this on here, but in lieu of Whataburger coming, Whataburger ketchup is basically Heinz ketchup with one more ingredient. Mm-hmm. Is how it's described. Right. That's what makes it fancy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it either has to be Heinz. Yeah. If it's Hunt's, some kind of Sam's Choice, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's disgusting. Yeah. So I, I was in the restaurant business. Yeah. You know, back in the mid '90s, and uh, we served Heinz. Yeah. And I always thought when I would go to another place and I would see Heinz, that guy doesn't care. Exactly. That's what <laughs> that, I was going to say. That restaurant owner just doesn't, doesn't care. care. No. Yeah. There's no. A, it's like is is like he walked out of. Uh, his house that day or her house that day. And they didn't care to dress up 
Yeah. You know, they're like, you, you look at that person and they just look disheveled and you're like, you don't care about life. No, they gave up. They gave up. That's how I feel about people who don't have Heinz ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> they just gave up on life. That's, that's not a value statement. It's <laughs> not a value statement. But <laughs> Turns out yeah. it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there's that gold top one that a lot of restaurants have. Gold top one. Yeah, like the bottle. Top, I don't know the brand, but it's not Hunt's. Mm. But it has like a gold, the screw top part. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what it is, but yep. somebody can let us know. Okay. Okay, that's about all the time we have today. <laughs> so... I just took a drink. You can't do that to me. I, I, I do want. I do want to talk about the message uh, from this past weekend. Um, one aspect of worship is sitting under the preached word of God. Yeah, and and we do try to uh, share that worship is not just the music yeah. that happens at the beginning of a service, at the beginning of a gathering. Worship is anything that we do in response to what Jesus has done for us. Mm-hmm. So our singing is worship, our generosity is worship, and sitting under the preached word of God is worship. We have an opportunity here, we've talked about this on the podcast before, to sit under excellent teaching. Well, thank you. What, what we have heard over the past week is really, quite simply, people saying that was the best message they've ever heard. Um, it was a unique message on uh, a very famous, uh, familiar passage in John chapter 14, uh, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, mm-hmm. Jesus' own words. Uh, but when you broke that down and really talked about the peace of shalom, it came alive to the point where you even shared, as you were studying for this message, you wept. I did, <clears throat> yeah, and I shared that um, when I was teaching it because... You know, the, the best, probably the best, best preaching advice I ever got was, um, you know, if you're going to preach the word, the word has to affect you mm-hmm. first. It has to change you first. And then you preach from a place of it changing you, not just, and the guy did it kind of illustratively, like just taking it and throwing it, you know, you got to throw it at yourself first. So I've always tried to do that. Uh, obviously apply it to myself first, all that kind of stuff. But this week in particular, studying those messages or that message, that text, I should say, those scriptures, what was, uh, it wasn't originally the peace part, you know, which that in of itself was a whole kind of, uh, as I said in the message was very unique, uh, or very ironic to me that Jesus did, did said those words during the Pax Romana, the Roman peace that was brought about by the sword. And so Messages like that, I geek out on, mm-hmm. you know, when I study something or I see something, I'm like, oh, I never thought about it. I get excited about right. it, you know? So this message, as I was studying, I was getting excited about that. Like, oh, how crazy is that? But then as I studied on, and then when Jesus got to the part of the devil or the ruler, you know, the RK of this world was coming, but then Jesus makes that statement, he has no claim on me. Mm. And so when I started looking into that and thinking about that, how amazing. Uh, so then it went from like excitement to amazement that Jesus really is, you know, this isn't some epic battle between good and evil. You know, uh, this isn't yin yang the way a lot of Eastern cultures think about life. This is God sovereign over everything. And and so when Jesus is saying he has no claim on me, he is saying I'm more powerful. But then I was thinking about also it's the point of like, um, accusatory, you know, the devil has nothing on to accuse Jesus of because Jesus is sinless and perfect. And then the part that hit me was, but he does have a claim on me. Mm. You know, he does that the ruler of this world is more powerful than me. 
and he does have dirt on me. You know, he does. And we live in a world now where we're all afraid of something that we did or said, yeah. you know, coming back to haunt us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as somebody said, I mean, thank goodness we weren't tweeting or posting things oh. in our teens and twenties. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of things we did and said that mm-hmm. we are so embarrassed by. Yes. So taking that kind of concept of uh, to a cosmic level of the sense of like my greatest problem and your great, every human's greatest problem is it's not that the devil is lying about us. He's saying the truth about us, mm-hmm. you know? And so as, as I was reading that, um, I just started saying over, Oh my gosh, he does have a claim on me. And this, this overwhelming sense of my guilt and sin and shame came over me. But then, and again, as the verse says, peace, I, I give to you. But then this overwhelming peace came over where I felt like <clears throat> Jesus was saying, yeah, he did have a claim on you, but he had no claim on me. And I took your claims. Hmm. You know, I took, he didn't have it on me. He did have it on you. And that's why I came. And that's why you can have peace is because I'm, I'm giving my life for you. I'm taking your claims. And man, I was just overwhelmed by that thought. I was just overwhelmed. And we've talked about this a bit, a lot where, you know, I don't ever want to forget what it was like to be lost and then now saved. Mm. And so, yeah, it was just kind of this, and it was our staff member uh, that had texted me and like, Hey, do you have a second to talk? And I said, yeah. And when they came in, I said, and I think I said this in all the messages, but I said, sorry, I was just crying. You, have to, you know, so my eyes are bloodshot and red and she was like, Oh, I hope it's wasn't a bad cry. I was like, Oh no, it's a very good cry. Like it was a, it was just an emotional moment of this utter realization that without Jesus, I have nothing. I have no hope because I'm utterly powerless against the ruler of this world. Mm-hmm. Cause he's got all kind. And I just kept saying it over and over. I'm like, he's got claims on me. He's got claims on me. Like he knows all my dirty laundry. He knows all the skeletons in my closet. He knows everything about me. Um, and he has every right to accuse me. Um, because I'm guilty. And then just that thought that, but Jesus traded in his innocence mm-hmm. for me and he's got no claims on him. And so then it, it, it shifted from this profound sense of sadness to this profound sense of joy. As I got, you know, very excited in the message and talking about like, it's the ultimate, my dad can beat up your dad mm-hmm. thing. Like the reason why, Jesus can tell us, let your, not your heart be troubled and, and don't be afraid is because no one has anything on him. No one has anything for him. There is no one, even the ruler of this world has, can't, can, can't control Jesus or contain Jesus. You know, he tried by putting him on a cross and putting him in a tomb, but Jesus bust out of that, you know, so Jesus can't, his love, his grace, none of that can be contained or controlled or stopped. It'll overcome. We've talked about this before, even theologically. Um, you know, people don't always like the term irresistible grace, you know, from a more reformed perspective. But the way I look at that is, well, thank God he can overcome my resistance. Yes. You know, it's not that it's irresistible and that I can't resist it. We resist his grace all the time. 
It's that he overcame my resistance. He overcame my obstinance. He overcame my inabilities. Um, so he overcame the claims, if you want to say it like this. And, and that's one way you can pray for people that you care about uh, who have not trusted in Jesus is yeah. for that God would overcome their resistance. Absolutely. And you want a God like that. Again, that's, and I'm glad you said that. We want a God who can overcome anybody's resistance to him. The hardest people that we can think of, mm -hmm. the most militant atheist or whatever we can think of, or a Jewish atheist like yourself. Um, we want a God that can overcome the resistance. You know, I don't want a God who just stands on the shore and is like, come on, come on, come on, get to me, get to me. I want a God who jumps into the water, swims down to the bottom, grabs my dead lifeless body and brings me up, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, just that overwhelming feeling um, that that's what he did. Um, so yeah, it was emotional. Yeah. Well, it's emotional now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we always seem to get to that point when we're, when we're talking about this to, to really contemplate what we're safe from. Yeah. And, you know, I know I'll be preaching, um, during the, the fall break and, it seems as as you said the other day, it's a tradition. It's a tradition now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that I preach the third week of September, and uh, I was saved the third week of September. Mm. So that that preaching weekend is always on the anniversary of the day that God overcame my resistance. Yeah. And as I was thinking about, as I was thinking about that, I was resistant. Mm -hmm on September 25th and then God overcame my resistance in an instant yep. on September 26th. Yep. So that's the prayer we need to pray for, for our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones who, mm -hmm. who have not trusted in Jesus, yeah. uh, who, as you said, could be just as militant and atheist as I was mm -hmm. and against Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, no. And, and yeah, we have had that conversation personally many times and that's, that's one of the things I always appreciate about you individually is, um, and again, we've said, I didn't grow up in church, but you even more so didn't grow up in church. And, and so I love having conversations with people that just have a profound sense of what God saved them from. And I think that's the thing I, I really appreciate about you is <clears throat> since that's more recent for you mm -hmm. than maybe some pastors or whatever. I mean, I mean, still 16 years, 16 years. Ago? It'll be, it'll be 16 years. Yeah, this yeah. But you were in your forties. And so you lived a lot of life, you know, before then. And so you had a, a deep, like we were joking prior to coming on here about uh, a movie that you watched in the nineties that I didn't watch. And, and I joked, I said, well, that was the height of my Christian legalism. And so I, <laughs> I, I didn't watch that movie at that time. And you joked, you said, well, that was the height of my debauchery. Yep. <laughs> and so you watched that movie. Um, and again, it's not about watching bad movies right. or not, but, but the point of it was you've watched, you've had a lot of life. And, and so it hits you so profoundly as it should all of us about what he saved you from. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of people that, Sadly, they have been taught that like, well, they really weren't that bad. And so God said, yeah, they may have cussed once or, mm -hmm. you know, they got saved at six and you know, all this. Well, it's not just that God saved you from bad habits or bad actions. God saved you from an evil heart. 
So you have, we all had that. And so, yeah, maybe you, you didn't get as much time to exercise all your evil as a younger person as you did, but they still saved you from that. And then he also saved you from his wrath. Mm -hmm. He saved you from, from him judging your sin and he saved you from you. And, and I think that's the part it's sometimes we just say sin as in things we do as opposed to understanding sin as who we are. Mm -hmm. So God saved me from myself. He saved me, uh, which then leads me to do these things. And he saved me from punishment uh, again. And that's where, again, I always enjoy our conversations because of that is I just have a hard time relating to people who don't have a profound sense of who they are before Christ. Yeah. Early on, you know, probably 16 years ago, someone said to me, Hey, we never want to glorify our sinful past. No, but we do want to remember where we were. No, yeah, we and shouldn't brag about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. What was our condition prior to salvation? Yeah. And then remember that moment. And, and it's very easy in any aspect of life to forget where we've come from. Yeah. I mean, if, if you became an Alabama fan in the last 15 years, all, all you know are championships. Yeah. So, so you don't know the lean times. You don't know the Shula years and the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's sometimes very easy to forget yeah. uh, what we have been saved from. And, uh, and I'm sure as the years go on, I'm going to have to be intentional mm -hmm. about remembering hey, what was my condition in 2006. Yeah. Well, what I have found, and I've said this before, that you know the, the reason why Jesus was humble is he humbled himself before sin had to. So sin is this unique, uh, it plays, I won't say it's unique, it's bad. There's nothing but it's bad. You know what I mean? It's against God. However, sin plays a unique role. It's interesting in that it's the thing that separates us from God but it's also the thing that humbles us before God mm -hmm. in the sense. And what I mean by that in uh, what I'm saying is as you get older, you don't have to just remind yourself of who you were before Christ. You can, you can be reminded every day because your flesh is still there and, and it'll pop up in such a way that it leads you to do something that was still, you know, um, it's still a part of who you are. You know, you're, because again, you you don't have a resurrected body yet. It's still a, it's still a. As Paul says in Romans, if you live by the flesh, you'll die. If you live by the spirit, you'll put to death the deeds of the flesh. So there's still times where our flesh comes roaring back. So where I'm going with that is, I don't have to remember back to who I was before Christ. Just that mm -hmm. I remember who I still am now without Christ, mm -hmm. who I can be, who my natural self is. And the reason why I was saying that about sin is, uh, you know, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 12. God gave, Paul clearly says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me to humble me, you know, to keep me from becoming conceited. So God had to give him that. And we don't know what that thorn was. Some people think it was a physical thing. I tend to think it was more of a struggle mm -hmm. uh, in his life. Um, again, I'm not going to say that definitively. That's just my thought. But it had a, my point is it had a purpose to humble him before God. And so again, Jesus humbled himself before sin had to. So 
I just, and I also have a hard time with people who just think they're currently sinless. Like, I don't think we can be completely sinless no. right now. No, there, there's, uh, not, there's nothing theological that would say that. Yeah, I should sin less often. Yes. And I should be growing in my holiness, but I'm never going to reach perfection. Right. Um, so again, I just am amazed at people that um, their flesh hasn't humbled them. I'm like, man, I must be a really, <laughs> either I'm a really good Christian or a really bad one. I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm still, I'm still so aware of who who I have the potential to be, and then sometimes who I still am. Well, at times. Well, that, that's a that's a good thing for us as believers. Is if if we sin and we're not convicted of that sin, yeah, then metanoia, met, met, metanoia, yeah, repent. Uh, so I, I think the longer we are Christians, the longer we are believers, uh, the more convicted of our sin we should be. Yeah, the it, more intensely we should feel it. And and the more we should repent. Yes. And the less we would sin. Yes. To become more holy like Jesus. Yeah. And again, like you said, we're never going to be perfectly holy. No. And and I and I, until I don't remember we're with them. Of course. I don't remember who said this, but it was a it was a group of pastors that I respect older that were sitting around a round table having this conversation. It was so helpful to me at the time because they were talking about as you walk with Christ, the goal is to sin less. Yes. And so they kind of drew it out on a pie chart. You know, you're going to sin less often. So your holiness is going to grow. Your sin's going to shrink. But anytime you restrict water like that, it gets more forceful. Hmm. And so they were talking about, even though you're sinning less, and you're becoming more like Christ. You're going to feel it deeper. Yes. It's going to be more intense. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of people that get so broken hearted about their sin and they actually see that as a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is, no, that's actually a good thing. That's right. Um, hopefully you're sinning less often and you're more convicted about it when you do. Mm -hmm. Those, That's growth. Mm -hmm. And again, that's kind of my point of where I was coming at. And that, that's what made that message so powerful. It, not me saying it, but the truth behind it is I can't have peace unless I understand that Jesus traded places. Like, right. The devil had no claim on him and Jesus did what he, he brought peace because the devil did have a claim on me and he did have a claim on humans. And so the fact that what motivated Jesus to come, yes, was his father's glory, but also was our sinful condition. So he traded, you know, that's the, the, um, the, I can't remember what's theologian said it, but the great exchange, maybe it was Martin Luther where he took our sin and he gave us his righteousness mm -hmm. So now I can live as a person who has no claim on him. Hmm. I can say to the devil now, you have no claim on me anymore. Right. Uh, because the one whom you had no claim over gave me his no claim status and he took on mine. Man. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, that is what it means to grow in righteousness, grow in holiness is I don't think, I don't think you're growing necessarily in your, um, I'm going to be careful how I say this. It's not like you're like, you've just begun real. You just gotten really good at nailing these spiritual disciplines, although you should, but it's, you're growing in your, the intensity of how you feel about your sin. You're growing in the, um, it just messes with you even more. Like I remember when I first got saved, I thought, Oh wow. I can't believe you did that for me. You know, it was personal. Mm -hmm. 
but now that I've grown, I've, I've, I get to the point of God, I'm so sorry you had to do that mm. for me. Mm. Um, to look at the cross and weep at that, to weep at that. Like, and that's the beauty in, of the cross. We were so sinful. He had to, but we were so loved. He chose to. Mm. Um, so again, that's kind of what I'm talking about is, and that's what was so overwhelming to me is like, gosh, the devil has so many claims on me that Jesus had to do that. He had to go there. And so then that devastated me. But then very quickly, this peace washed, this peace washes over. He's like, no, but, but I chose to do it though. So, So let's talk about that peace. It's, it's not the absence of conflict. No, it's the presence of a person, as you said. Yeah. So that peace is unique mm-hmm. only to Jesus. Only to Jesus. That's and, why he's the prince of it. Yeah. And that that peace, as you said in Hebrew, shalom. Mm-hmm. It's not just hello, goodbye. Yeah. It's, it's not aloha. Yeah. It has... Not bless you after a sneeze. Yeah. It has so many meanings. Mm-hmm. And one of the meanings is breaking the authority of the chaos mm-hmm. in our lives. So when that washes over us, uh, theologically, uh, what is that saying? Yeah, and you actually helped me understand this, I, again, from a Hebrew understanding of the word shalom, of wholeness, completeness in every area of life, but then the specifically that phrase of breaking the order of chaos is that, um, you know, we know when something's chaotic, it's not peaceful. Um, and so we want the chaos to leave. We want it to go. We want the conflict to go. Even so, so many of us will come up with really unhealthy ways to try to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll just say yes to someone who's abusive or whatever. We, we will just like, whatever we can do to get rid of the chaos. But it really comes down to, well, someone has to have the authority to break it. Mm-hmm. Someone has to have the ability mm-hmm. to, to break it. Someone stronger than the chaos has to has to come, you know, in order to break its power, break its authority. And again, going back to that verse, the world is chaotic because this world has a ruler. And the ruler of this world, the RK of this world, is the author of confusion. You know, that's that's one of the, the ways the Bible describes him. And so someone stronger, and I, I related it to, you know, uh, like a gang on a block. You know, so often... Whoever is the strongest, as I said, and I forgot it was a Carlton reference, the baddest mamma jamma on the block. Carl, Carl. Yeah. Uh, whoever the baddest dude, male or female, on the block is, well, that person has authority over everybody else. Mm-hmm. And everybody submits to that person because they want to live. You know, well, that was our state. It wasn't, um, it wasn't just one block. It was the whole earth. Mm-hmm. You know, every neighborhood on earth was living underneath the oppressive power of the RK of this world. So someone more powerful than him had to come who from another world, from another block, another kingdom and, and beat him up and take his power away. Um, but no one, but God could do that. And so God put on flesh and dwelt among us. He, as one theologian said, he put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood and he walks up to that bully and, and takes his keys back, mm. you know, takes the keys of the power of death. Um, and so, yeah, in order for chaos to, to be broken, someone who is more powerful than the one who has the authority that, that's bringing the chaos has to come. And that's why it's unique to Jesus. 
and I already referenced it, but it's very interesting when you look at it. You know, I, I referenced the, I used a supporting text in Ephesians 2, where Paul talks about we were all, you know, sons of disobedience in this world following the prince of the power of the air, where that word prince is the same Greek word for ruler, it means arche. Um, well, think about Jesus. What, what is one of his titles? And I just said it. Mm-hmm. He's the prince of peace. So therefore, that means he's the ruler of peace. So you have the ruler of chaos is ruling, and then the ruler of peace comes and breaks that chaos. So Jesus's title of prince of peace is not just something we sing. It's something we believe in that he's the ruler of peace. Mm. He's the one who has the authority of peace to come in and break the authority of chaos. So the authority of chaos can only be broken when the prince of chaos or the ruler of chaos is defeated by someone who's a bigger prince, a bigger ruler. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's Jesus. And so that's why he could give us peace because he's the prince of it. Um, and he came and again, he did it in a way that no one thought he would. He didn't do it by carrying the sword. He did it by receiving it, Mm. taking it. Um, so even the way he brought about peace was not, in a military fashion, right? Like he didn't do it through might. He did it through weakness. Again, showing us if we will in weakness, allow sin to humble us, we'll come to Christ weak. Then he can break the authority of chaos in mm-hmm. our life. Yeah. Um, he can, that meta, uh, noia repentance, that metamorphosis can take place because the power of the Prince of peace has come and broken the power of the prince of this world. Hmm. I'm glad you say you said humble, um, because these last couple of messages could go out as uh, great messages on pursuing humility. Mm-hmm. Because without the pursuit of humility, it, we, we don't allow God to do the work in us. Yeah, and it, this goes back again to the role of sin. And I want to be careful because I don't want to excuse sin or dismiss sin. But I've had many conversations with, with people in church, this church and other churches over the years, like, man, I asked God to take this sin away and he hasn't taken it away. And I don't understand why he hasn't taken it away. Uh, and they're almost mad about it. Like this sin is a, is a sin against God. And, and I asked him to take it away. And so therefore you would think God would say, yeah, I'll take that away. I said, well, hold on a second. And again, second Corinthians 12, what if that sin, the presence of that sin is necessary in your life to keep you humble? Hmm. And so you're asking God to take something away that is necessary for you to remain humble before him. Now, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying God is leaving that sin there so that we can just keep doing it and, and then he, he's okay with it. No. What did Paul say? He said, uh, I asked God to take this thorn away. He didn't. And then God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm-hmm. And then Paul says, now I will boast ever more about my weakness because when I'm weak, then he's strong. So my point is the role God, I think God will leave certain temptations, proclivities, you know, whatever you want to use the word. Um, he will, there's certain things about each and every one of us, whether it's genetic, whether it's personality. This is why I don't like the argument of like, well, I was born this way. Well, we all were. We're all born bent to sin and that's unique to you and unique to me, to my upbringing, my life, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. 
as one person, one theologian said, we don't choose our sin. We just choose our response to it. Hmm. Um, and the response is the same for everyone. It is metanoia, repentance. But again, I think sometimes God will leave those. Some th- I think some sins in our lives, God just does away with. Like he just wipes that away. We don't ever think about it anymore. We don't ever struggle with it anymore. And that's an act of God's grace. Yep. But I think there's other things in our life, and it might be your anger or your something that you wrestle with. You're like, God, I begged you to take this away. Yeah, but if I took that away, then you'd become an arrogant jerk. Mm. Because you would be like, oh, look, I don't sin anymore. I don't do this anymore. Right. And there, there's an arrogance that would well up within yeah. us that is the opposite of humility. You quit asking God for help anymore. Um, and so therefore, you would become this independent version of yourself. So I think some mm-hmm. things God leaves so that we stay dependent upon him. Mm. And so that we have to ask, we have to reach out for the help of the Holy Spirit, the helper, and we have to be reminded of God's grace yep. in those times. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, he will give us the grace to say no. That's Titus 2. You know, the grace of God has appeared. It helps us to say no to sin. So. I'm not saying God's cool with us giving in to sin. I'm just saying sometimes I think God doesn't take it away completely like we want him to because it that thing forces us to stay humble before God. And we can't pursue humility without his grace. No. <laughs> so, no. And uh, how many times does it say in, in the word, um, but this is the one to whom I will look, the one who is humble. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think that's what God wants. I don't like the... Uh, I don't like the, which tends to be a Catholic saying, the seven deadly sins. Mm -hmm. They're all deadly. (laughs) There's not seven of them. And we tend to categorize some as worse than others. But uh, theologians have said in the past, there is one sin that's behind all sins, and that is pride. You know, that's the sin that's behind every sin. It's this this self-reliance. You know, uh, this I know better. Um I mean, how many of us have it, have said, whether it's about politics or whether it's about relationships, mm-hmm. man, if they would just do what I would do, right? if they would just say what I would say, mm-hmm. this world would be a better place. Mm-hmm. Well, that thought right there is the sin behind all sins, yeah. is the, is the, I know better, you know? Um, so I, I would, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't categorize seven deadly sins, but I would say, I do think there's a, there's a heart position, which is the opposite of humility that is behind all sins. And so therefore God will use even other sins to keep our heart posture in the right place Mm -hmm. where it doesn't elevate itself. We stay humble because we realize we're sinners. And at any point in time we can give in to sin. So we need God's grace through the presence and person of the Holy spirit all day, every day. Amen. Amen. Uh, we have been talking, um, for a couple of weeks in preparation for 2023 and the season of abide of having uh, maybe 21 verses Mm -hmm. that are foundational to our faith. And if there's one verse that I I would love to see in there and it's had a profound effect on, on my walk with Jesus and it's Isaiah 66. I think I've shared it before Mm -hmm. uh, uh, verses one and two heaven is my throne. Mm Mm-hmm. The earth is my footstool, mm-hmm. thus says the Lord. Yeah. And and just that that mindset of God uses the earth as a as an ottoman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and he sits in heaven. Heaven is his throne. And then he goes, Who's going to build a house for me? 
Yeah. All these things my hand has made. Yeah. But this is the one to whom I will look. Mm -hmm. The one who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Mm -hmm. That to me is when I, when I am prideful and that is one of the sins that I struggle with Mm -hmm. when I am prideful, I, I will remember that verse. Yeah. Have that verse in my heart. Hey, the, the earth is not my footstool. No. <laughs> Heaven, heaven's not my throne. No. I didn't make any of this. This little thing from Target is your footstool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 And, and even then, usually the chihuahuas are on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so um, I, I think the, these verses on the Holy Spirit are great. The, I mean, these messages on the Holy Spirit are great messages to remind us to pursue humility by the grace of God. Absolutely. Yeah. Because again, if his role in one of his titles is helper, yeah, then I will never, I will never glorify him in such a way where he gets to exercise that right. role in my life unless I admit I need help. You know, and so we all know one of the most prideful things we can do is resist help, which is why men a lot of times struggle mm-hmm. with going to counseling yep. or admitting I need help. You know, the old adage back in the day was like, I'm not going to pull over and ask for directions. Right. And every man in America loves that they have an app on their phone now, so they don't have to pull over and <laughs> ask for, they can just ask Siri, you know? Um, but again, yeah, that's the point is, so actually when I don't ask for help, then I am denying the role of the helper. That's right. Which robs him of glory. Mm. Um, so this is why and Piper said this, when we get help, God's get, God gets glory. Amen. So not only should we learn to ask for help, but you have the helper. Why would you not ask? Mm. And, and, and so ask every day for help. Humble yourself and ask because the helper is here to help you. Yeah. God set it up that way. And again, that's the profound part about And that's why I can look at my life and again, not, not excuse my sin, but I can be grateful that there are some temptations that God just hasn't taken from me mm-hmm. um, because those keep me humble mm. and they keep me in need of help um, or ne- in need of my need for help. It, yep. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. So No, that's great. Um, if you have not watched or listened to the messages uh, from John chapter 14, go back and, and listen to them, watch them. If anybody ever asks you a question about the Holy Spirit, send them these messages. Uh, coming up on October 1st is WOCO. Yep. Uh, so if you have not gotten your tickets for WOCO, the early bird special goes away September 6th. Yep. Uh, so that Tuesday, is a, September, is a Tuesday, right? It is Tuesday. Yeah. So they need to buy it before Labor Day. Let's just say that. Yeah. Like get it on Labor Day. Mm-hmm. You're off work, buy a ticket. And as I shared uh, several times over the weekend at each gathering, when when you buy a ticket for a conference like this, mm-hmm. you're allowing God to begin working on your heart. Yeah. Between now and the conference, October 1st. So let God do what he can what only he can do in your heart to prepare you for this by getting your ticket as soon as possible. And I do want to remind folks, uh, we have a Thursday night gathering at our Canton location. Yeah, we do. Uh, it starts at 7 o'clock. It is the beginning of the weekend. It is the same message that you will see on Sunday, the same uh, music. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Rev Kids yep. at our Canton location on, on Thursday nights. And so if you have a lot of stuff going on, if you know, you're going traveling, going to football games yeah. and, and camping and doing all the, the cool fall stuff. <laughs> all um, kinds of stuff. Yeah, I don't know what 
cool fall stuff is. Uh, There's a lot of it, though. Then make sure you know that there is a Thursday night option. Yeah, in fact, I just had a conversation with a guy that started coming to our church, and he actually works with a lot of other churches, and he preaches at other churches a lot of times Mm -hmm. on the weekends. And so he loves the Thursday night gathering because it allows him and his family to come, oh, cool. be a part of the church, mm-hmm. and then he's gone a lot of times yeah. on the weekend. Yeah, so 20, it's a great option. 26% of the workforce works on Sunday. Yeah. So great option, uh, Thursday night gatherings. One final question for you. What happened to the cool gray glasses? <laughs> Not that these glasses aren't cool. Uh, what happened yeah, to those? I've gotten that question quite a bit. You know what's funny? Um, I do like them. They have the transition lenses, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why I bought them. Um, but I don't like the nose piece as oh, much. Okay. And so these like fit on my head better. Okay. And partly because I have a, a fat head and, um, so I still have them. Okay. I just haven't been wearing them as much because they fall down a little, little more. They look cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I should bring them back. Okay. It's, you know, it's form over function or whatever they say. Like it's like somebody wearing really uncomfortable shoes cause they look good, you mm-hmm. know? I tend to go for comfort over fashion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, these look, these look fine too. Well, I appreciate it. All right. As always, uh, if you want a transcript of, uh, of what we said, write down everything we say. Um, that's how you get a transcript of the grow people podcast. And we end it always with this incredible saying, and people say it to me all the time now. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Best advice we ever heard. Trust God. You say it. No, you say it. it's no, yours. It's yours. You know, it's but not it, mine. It, yes, it. Yes, it no, is. No, I didn't say it. No, but if you say it three times, it. it's yeah. yours. <laughs> I heard it. That's all it was. <laughs> well, normally you say the best advice we ever heard, then you set me up. Okay. Best. So, no, advice. no, no, no. You don't have to. Let me say the. It'd be my honor to set you up and let you say it. Okay, but it's not mine. Got it's it. not mine either. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, the best advice we ever heard is trust God and take a nap. Yep. See you next See time you on the Grow People Podcast. <laughs>